Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. Welcome to Virtual Reality Church. Welcome to our virtual church. Is there some type of way for a virtual congregation? You're not a congregation if you don't congregate. When you combine this access with the loss of the local, I become my own confession and I go around the World Wide Web listening for echoes that say back to me what I've already decided to believe. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Just flew in from Boston, and boy, I have a head cold. This is Wretched Radio. Don't know who to thank for the sinus issue that I'm currently struggling with. Perhaps it's Delta. Maybe the Atlanta International Airport, the Beantown Airport, wasn't nearly as busy as I anticipated it. Perhaps I picked up the head cold there, or maybe it was the Uber driver in Beantown who tried to persuade me that the sound of him coughing up a lung was due to a piece of almond caught in the back of his throat. I didn't buy it, don't know who gave me the head cold, but would like to take you on a tour of Boston. So don't panic. You can't catch what I've got from here, but you are going to have to endure what might be considered the 21st century's... Least kind thing you can do to somebody. And that's saying a lot, isn't it? I'm going to show you the pictures that I took on the trip. No, not the pictures from the trip. Well, don't worry. You're not going to actually see the pictures. Instead, I'm going to merely describe them to you, starting with brutalism. We were driving through Beantown for a couple of days. It is a beautiful city. It is It's so architecturally stunning. Even some of the new buildings are like, whoa, that is really beautiful. And then when we're driving along on that bus tour, that's right. We're the type of dorks who take the bus tour. It's a good way to get around a town and you get to learn some history. I'm not sure how much of it is accurate from the tour driver. But then again, I have to admit, I'm not sure all of the history that was presented at many of the historical stops on the Freedom Trail was as accurate as it used to be. Nevertheless, we drove by the city hall and it was that big concrete thing that you have grown accustomed to in seeing so many of our government facilities built in the style of what we call brutalism. Now you're thinking, I get that because they look brutal. Well, it actually just means concrete. It's from a French word, which means we hate Americans. I don't know how they got to concrete, but somehow they did. And it is a style that really emerged after World War II. And it was different. It was functional. It was meant to get your attention, but not in an aesthetic way, but in a way that said, clearly, this is a big structure and it is designed to be utilitarian, not beautiful, just functional. Thankfully, there aren't that many buildings in Boston that are like that. But I was a little bit surprised when I returned from our little tour of that historical city that Tucker Carlson appeared on the Russell Brand show. Such strange bedfellows these days. And what do you know? The subject of brutalism actually came up. 
Architecture changed completely, and it went from designs that complemented the landscape around them to a kind of architecture that clearly hates people, that <laughs> is designed to oppress the human spirit and make people feel without value, worthless. I think if you brought someone from the streets of Tokyo to the Cotswolds and said, what do you think of that building? He would say, that's beautiful, because beauty is inherent. Every person recognizes beauty. A Shinto temple in Kyoto, I recognize it immediately as beautiful, because it is. It's consistent with the symmetry of nature. Wow. Nice conversation the boys were having because architecture reflects a worldview. We've always known this. Even King Charles recognized that brutalism is, you know, brutal. I think it was an art museum in London. He described it as basically looking like a nuclear power plant. Why? Because beauty ain't at the forefront of brutalism. It is a 20th century worldview. It was popular through the 70s. The only reason it's making any sort of comeback these days is because it photographs well. And the reason that artists like to have their picture taken in front of these concrete structures is because you only see a little tiny chunk of it. And it just looks kind of bleak and cool. And the artist really pops out from it because it looks so, you know, Soviet style. But this is a style that thankfully has mostly fallen out of fashion because it ain't pretty. It ain't inspired. It is not in alignment with its surroundings. Instead, it is just an assault on the human spirit. Even <laughs> Russell Brandt gets that. Municipal and state buildings were once plainly an expression of a contract between the people yes. and their government of a yes. faith relationship. I, 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 just, I just thought that. I walked up with my wife in the rain on a village hall, and I thought, whoever built that cared about the people. It was built by the people who live there for the people who live there, and they loved the people who live there because they were related to them or knew them. It was built by peasants without machines. Let's continue our tour of Boston, shall we? A lot of Roman Catholic churches, which, by the way, beautiful. Gotta tell you, though, the, the Episcopalians, those rascals, they just know how to build a church that is pleasing to the eye, don't they? Oh, by the way, speaking of the Anglican Communion, I think they started their five-day general synod meeting on Friday. Guess what they're doing? We're gonna have a study about these gender issues and marriage. Isn't that how the door always gets cracked open? There was a Roman Catholic church in Northtown. If you've never been to Boston, you got to get to Northtown if you like the best food in the world, which, of course, is Italian. Yeah, I just made pretty much every Italian crash their vehicle. Magnificent region. Back in the 20s, about 90, it was like 95% of the people who lived in the Northern District were Italian. Today, it's about 30%, but it really does feel like you're walking through Rome with the smell of garlic billowing out everywhere. And there was a big Roman Catholic church. I think it was the first Roman Catholic church built in the city of Boston. Jimmy, I don't know if you can see this picture or not, because I know you love looking at vacation pictures. Oh, yeah. This, this is a statue of Mary. I think it's probably going to be too small for you to be able to see it through the camera. Can you see what's happening around Mary? Can you see that? Uh, no, not really. Okay. They're little concrete statues, more brutalism, apparently. <laughs> and they're venerating Mary. It sure looks like worship to me. They're on their knees. They've got their hands clasped together as they are kneeling before the Virgin Mary. Oh, look, on the other side of the little alcove where these statues were is a statue of Jesus, and he's surrounded by nobody. He's got some daisies around him, but he doesn't have anybody venerating him. 
Why? Roman Catholic Church, they elevate Mary well above her status. Even she recognized in the Magnificat that she needed a savior, but not so in the Roman Catholic Church. And to any of my Roman Catholic friends who would say, no, we don't worship them. I, you, you fly in somebody from a foreign nation who's not familiar with Christianity. And I think that they would probably say that woman is more important than that fellow because she's getting worshipped. When we were at the Northern District, we also visited Cops Hill. And I thought this was an interesting little sign from Cops Hill. It was a cemetery. Let me read it to you. Before 1830, burying ground sextons or keepers were often found to have sold burial plots and tombs multiple times. Bereaved families were horrified to find their loved one's bones tossed onto the ground to make way for a higher paying customer. Well, they put they put an end to that, but it was an interesting historical note. And the reason that it jumped out at me is because of the other things that I saw in the beautiful city of Boston, which, by the way, I got to tell you, it isn't Atlanta clean because Atlanta, you could basically eat off of the city of Atlanta. It is so pristine clean. It's very striking. But Boston was looking pretty good. I got to tell you, the streets were cleaned, but you did see. Not a San Francisco level of homeless people, but you did see homeless people. And you have to ask the question, why? And what does that have to do with the Sextons at Cops Hill reselling burial plots, digging up the body that was previously there so they could sell it again? Well, I think it's the same mindset that also has produced these signs that I walked by in Boston. <laughs> Jimmy! Yes. This is going to be really good news for you. Okay. This is a company, man. They are on it. They are trying to serve people. If you get stoned and you need some more pot, but you don't have the ability to actually go out and get it, they'll bring it to you. It's called Zip Run. Cannabis delivered. Oh, delivery. You do you. We'll deliver the cannabis. Was just reading more studies, and there are many of them that indicate the connection between marijuana, schizophrenia, meant marijuana, and depression off the charts. What does Cops Hill, Zipron, and the homeless have to do with one another? And I think the answer is anthropology. How we view human beings. There was one homeless person in particular that really just, ugh, it was a young person. I couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman, but you could tell young, curled up in a ball, lying on the street with a few possessions scattered about. And I thought, how, how, can, how can we as a society walk by that person? And I think the answer is found in a low anthropology. Well, they have to do you like the cannabis. You go ahead and get stoned because you got to do you. You want to be homeless. You do you. We are not going to come along and help you get out of your malaise. No, we follow the postmodern mindset that says whatever you think on the inside is the most important thing. So you do you. And with that. We've got cannabis being delivered, homeless people on the streets, because I'm afraid we have such a low anthropology. This is Wretched Radio. 
you're familiar with this sound, you're sitting in church, your pastor is preaching, you have your John MacArthur Study Bible open, the pastor is reading the scripture, and all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines? They typically make about 12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing, $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. No, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges we all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you and it will empower you to help others too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's Court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Club's ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1206. Francis of Assisi renounces wealth and goes on to lead a band of poor friars preaching the simple life. The 13th century saw the rise of a number of monastic orders dedicated to simple living and social engagement. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Today's word, courtesy of Boston, is anthropology. This is Wretched Radio. How we view man was put on display, at least for me, a visitor to the city of Boston. It is a magnificent town. It's it's lovely. It's clean. It's historical. It is definitely a foodie town. We walked miles and miles and we saw many outstanding pieces of architecture, 
the homes that were built. And I was I was reminded that people who lived back like in the 1850s, uh, it was called Beacon Hill. That's where the Cheers bar was in Beacon Hill and all of that really nice Victorian architecture, those red brown, those brownstone homes, redstone, whatever, the brown redstone homes that are all lined up just lovely. You had some brutalist architecture, but overall it was architecture that was really beautiful and it was designed in the 19th century by people who weren't knuckleheads. We have a tendency these days to think, well, anybody who lived in a different century than this one or even this year, they couldn't have known much. Look at the architecture. Look at the buildings. Uh, uh, Back Bay. Okay, so you got downtown. You've got the Boston Commons. Then you get to uh, the Cheers Bar and then you get to Back Bay. And Back Bay was just that. It was a bay. It was a swamp. And they wanted to use it to build stuff. So what did they do? Now, this was over 100 years ago. They put concrete pillars, like, I don't know how many of them, hundreds or thousands of them, to sustain the buildings that would rest on top of them. Why? Because they were stupid and don't know nothing. They were plenty smart back then. And they knew a lot. And our contemporary attitude that eschews, and that did not come from my head cold, that eschews anybody who didn't live in our era is just, well, I just don't think you're being observant, but I had a chance to observe things as I toured around Boston. We did a ton of walking. We also jumped on one of those bus tours, which I always find interesting. Got to tell you, just very fascinating how you can hear different versions of history, depending on who the driver is, but I observed a few things that I thought indicate we really should, as the church, be talking more about the subject of man, anthropology, because I saw signs that indicated uh, we've got a very low view of man, a very low view of man. Why do we leave homeless people homeless? It's a low view of man. How else can we somehow override the intuitive sense that, hey, we should help those people. Well, it's because our worldview says that an individual's beliefs, the internal mechanism that makes the them themselves, that is paramount. And nobody can say that's bad. Therefore, we'll leave people in squalor, sleeping on concrete sidewalks. That's a low view of man. Delivering pot for free to people's homes, but they're too stoned to go out and get it. That is just a low view of man. We really do need to go back to creation, Genesis 1 and 2, and see God's attitude about human beings. We're made in his image. We are vice regents. We are here basically, in a human sense, to run the planet because we're better than the other animals. We, we know more. We can do more. We communicate. Isn't that a crazy no? I know. They try to tell you that, well, when a chicken clucks three times, that means she's trying to communicate. She's ready to have another set of eggs. Well, okay. And a, and a, and a squirrel goes, yeah, when there's a, that's actually a squirrel sound. That wasn't, that was not I. <laughs> that was a squirrel sound effect. Let me just play that again for you. Ah! That's what a squirrel does right there. <laughs> When there's a when there's a hawk in the neighborhood. Okay. 
It's sending a signal, but nobody communicates the way that human beings do. We are special. We're better. And when we forget that because we forget the Bible, well, then you're going to have people lying in the streets. You're going to have people getting stoned out of their brains and being celebrated for it. Or you can go to Massachusetts General Hospital, took a picture of that building. That's the one you may recall Matt Walsh exposed for doing the brutal, not brutalism, brutal surgeries on children who want to supposedly have their gender changed. What is that? It's a horrid anthropology. Carl Truman is on to this, I think, more than anybody else these days. And he's right. What is causing our society to just live and let die? Just let it let it be Paul McCartney and wings. Don't worry about people. No, no, no. We do worry about people. We care about people. We want people to be content in the body that God has made for them. Here's another picture. Boy, this was this was really heartbreaking. The churches that I saw in Boston, again, glorious structures. Uh, this one, it's got the pride flags. It's it's this this sign says you or oh, this is you are on indigenous land. Uh, it had a Black Lives Matter sign on top of it. Uh, and it was it was just a sign that the churches, not all of them. There's a, actually there's a few good churches in Boston. Uh, if you're going to Boston and you're Baptist and you're in downtown, it's called Temple Baptist Church. I think that's what it's called. Temple. Ba- Jimmy, would you look it up? It's Pastor James somebody. He's a nine marks guy. My understanding is it's a very good church in downtown Boston. They got into a building that's historical and it's glorious. And I've heard from a really reliable source, the guy preaches. If you go out to Cambridge, there's a Presbyterian church. Pastor Noah Bailey had breakfast with him while in Boston. Great church. There are good churches, but some of these beautiful historical structures, entirely woke. Jimmy, did you find Temple Baptist in downtown Boston? I believe so. Uh, the Tremont Tem- Temple Baptist yeah, yeah, Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tremont. Ja- yeah, yeah. Jamie Owens. Yeah. Pastor. So there, there's good churches there. You can find them, but a lot of them, oof, not so much. But perhaps the anthropological highlight of the trip to Boston, we were going to walk into a store. Oh, how could I forget the name? Ralph's, I think. Oh, how can I forget the name of it? Jimmy, would you look up Ralph's Grocery in Boston? I will. I can, I can blame it on the medication. I've got more Sudafed coursing through my veins right now than the inventor of Sudafed, who I don't know. This was a grocery, super groovy grocery store in downtown Boston. It's got a great bakery and deli. And by the way, the chicken salad in Boston was less than it is in Atlanta. Thought you'd like to know it was about $3 a pound less. Dairy products were more expensive in Boston than they were in Atlanta. And can somebody tell me, please, what happened to the grapes? I mean it. I have had enough of this. I do not want to live in America that does not have plentiful, snappy, low-priced grapes. $6.99 a pound I saw at a grocery store for grapes. And they were puny and because, yes, I'm that guy who samples them. It is just a good stewardship issue. I'm not stealing. Jimmy, did you find, is it Ralph's? It is Ralph's. Uh-huh. It's a really great grocery store. So the, it's it's sort of 
Well, it's kind of like the Cheers bar because the, the, the store is underneath the ground. So there's an escalator that goes down one part of the store and then an escalator after you check out that goes the other side of the store. Well, we were getting ready to walk in and we had paused because there was a street entertainer out there on a plaza. And all of a sudden, three, four, five kids come running up the up the down escalator of the store with their hands full of groceries. And I don't think they had gone through the checkout line. And I watched the security guard let him go. And he actually, because I stood there kind of like, well, this is fascinating to watch this play out. He was a security guard. I know it because his shirt said security guard. And he he's letting the kids go. And he, he looked at me and he gave me this look like, what are you going to do? I know. Stop them. Thankfully, another security guard came and he did try to stop one of the kids who gave him nothing but lip. One girl that was super saucy. You know, why are you looking at me like that? And then she just walked right around him. Off she went. Because we just do not think that crime is a big deal. What is that? Well, I think it's also a low anthropology. But for Ralph and for everybody else who shops there, somebody's got to pay for those groceries. It's either going to be Ralph or it's going to be the other customers. But we don't seem to care about that. Why? Well, because we don't want to be seen as being mean and arresting people. Got to tell you, the idea of going back to that broken windows sociology that Rudy Giuliani imposed in the 90s. Do you remember that? The idea was if you got a broken window on a building, then the other windows get broken. Because it communicates nobody cares. And similarly with crime, you let the little things go, the jaywalking, the littering, and then crime becomes not a big thing. And what happens? You get more crime. So arresting or finding some sort of penal response to even petty crime, I got to tell you, very attractive. Furthermore, it actually shows a higher view of man than letting a bunch of young thugs run away with somebody else's stuff. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks, and we get the show on the road today in sunny California, where the sun seems to be shining just a little less brightly for two students in one particular school district. The pair found themselves facing a five-day suspension followed by a restorative justice program. And that's just a fancy term for something that should rather be known as a re-education camp or maybe an indoctrination class. Allegedly, these two misgendered a peer. Interestingly, this type of justice is described as resolving conflict and promoting healing, though some might say it's forcing a square peg into a round hole. Now over to Ohio, where the University of Cincinnati has been stirring the pot quite a bit. A gender studies professor failed a student recently for using the term, get this, biological woman. Using that term in this class earned you a failing grade. The university initially reprimanded the professor, only later to backtrack saying the reprimand has been issued in, quote, error. Yeah, looks like dissenting opinions need not apply. Ah, well, you know, it's nice to see college campuses in this country still being the champions of free speech. Oh, wait a minute. Meanwhile, in the state of Tennessee, a state law that protects children from irreversible transgender procedures is indeed taking effect. 
effect thanks to an overruling by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit. The law, which was sponsored by Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson and House Majority Leader William Lambert, prevents surgeries and hormone procedures on children. Minors, those who have no business or even the ability to make life-altering and permanent decisions by themselves. And as we've told you previously here at Wretched, the United Methodist Church has been undergoing significant transformation over the last couple of years, with many congregations leaving the denomination over the LGBT issues that have yet to be decided upon. A current tally says more than 6,000 current congregations have decided to part ways with the UMC, many of which are joining the newly reformed Global Methodist Church, a new denomination which promises to emphasize a scriptural view of sexuality and gender. Again, as we tell you frequently, please continue praying for all of our Methodist brothers and sisters. And our final stop takes us to the country of India, where the Supreme Court there has been calling for an update after some pretty severe violence left a tribal Christian beheaded and three others fatally shot. Prayers for peace there in India, but of course, as we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, let's continue praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. And that's been our latest Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. Lamentations is a book of poems written by Jeremiah after the fall of Jerusalem. They are marked by weeping, woes, and affliction. But even in sorrow, Jeremiah praises God. He proclaims God's justice, cries out to God for mercy, and confesses his faith in God. Lamentations teaches us a godly way to express sorrow and grow in the midst of loss. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Church News! I am not from Boston, necessarily. Sullied these days. This is a wretched radio. Let's check in with church news because well, I'm almost out of pictures from Boston. Although I'm not totally out of pictures from Boston, and I could talk about Mary Dyer, the Quaker who was executed by the Puritans because she was being a Quaker and not a Puritan. But we're not going to do that, although I am interested in digging into that story. If you go to the state capitol, the new state capitol, there's the state house, the old structure that's in downtown with those ornate gold statues on the ends. Super, super historical building. Lots of activity there. They built a new capitol about 100 years ago, so you can't really call it new. And outside is a metal statue of one Mary Dyer. She was a Quaker. She was originally married to a Puritan. She converted to Quakerism, the law of Boston that was mandated by the Puritans. You can't be a Quaker in Boston. Well, she persisted. She got arrested. She got kicked out. She returned. She almost got executed. If this is accurate, oh, wow. The story goes that Mary Dyer, the Quaker, she was sent out of town, but she was really pursuing religious liberty, it seems. It seems. 
I know I, I don't know all the details of this particular story, but that's basically the narrative. And she came back to visit some other Quakers who were imprisoned. Well, the leaders in Boston said, this woman's getting up our Puritan nose. So let's almost hang her. We'll put the noose around her neck, call for a reprieve at the last second, and the fear of death will cause her to skedaddle once and for all. It didn't. She returned, and this time she got the noose. Would love to dive into that story because it was King Charles first or second. It was James the first, Charles the first, Charles the second, James the second. So it was either Charles the first, Charles the second, who actually sent a a mandate to Boston saying religious tolerance. You, you can't be killing the Quakers because you disagree with them. Fascinating. Why? Well, because we're taking a look at the relationship between church and state these days, which I think is a conversation that really should be had. Um, but stories like Mary Dyer's and all the details, and I'm not saying that what was right or wrong, because I don't know the historical details yet. But we should take a look at even the history of America when it comes to religious tolerance, religious freedom, to determine how do we see it today. If that conversation hasn't hit your church yet, it's going to, and maybe just maybe, doing a deep study on Mary Dyer might be somewhat instructive. But I'm not talking about Boston anymore, Jimmy, even though we could talk about Harvard. Harvard? What happened there? Well, the the Harvard... It was two weeks ago. Oh, has it yeah. been that long? Mm-hmm, it has. Supreme Court, I think it was six to three. Mm-hmm. They said that you can't judge people based on their skin color. You know, the way that Martin Luther King Jr. used to talk about racial relations. It's the character, the quality, the insides that matter. Not something as arbitrary as skin color. Honestly, Judging somebody based on skin color, whichever way you want to go with this thing, I don't care. Whichever way you want to go is like saying, ah, people with thick eyebrows, they are, they're terrible people. They're disgusting people. You'd go from thick eyebrows? What, what do you have against Brooke Shields? The point <laughs> is it would be entirely arbitrary to judge somebody based on something that they have no control over. The level of melanin in their skin? And so it was the Supreme Court said, nope, sorry, colleges, universities, you can't enroll people based on that. We got to go back to, you know, how do they do? How do they perform? And Harvard's basically saying, too bad, we're going to do it anyway. Uh, They'll probably try to find their way to the right side of the law, but they're clearly trying to violate the spirit of it. Harvard, a lot of brilliant people there. But when it comes to being progressive, well, I don't think anybody is their equal. Frankly, there were a number of those Supreme, every one of those Supreme Court decisions that I saw, Jimmy, was good. I think we we pretty much nailed it. Our prognostications on those Supreme Court rulings was actually pretty good. Yeah, I think we did pretty much nail it. The, po- the postman, mm-hmm. 9-0. Yeah. 9-0. And that surprised me. Because you thought there could be the devil in the details. Right, yeah. Yeah, and there there might have been. But what tipped it for me is if you are going to keep that man from exercising religious liberty on Sunday morning, you're going to have to do that with the Muslims in five days of prayer. That's right. And that ain't going to happen. 
By the way, speaking of Muslims and the call to prayer, an increasing number of cities across America, you're starting to hear that. Church bells, maybe, but the Islamic call to prayer, far more than ever before. It is the changing landscape of this nation. If you're going to allow church bells, you have to allow the Islamic. I don't. I don't know how you can. You you gotta. You gotta let it be or outlaw all of them because of a noise ordinance. The problem is, we know where this can go. Then the Satanic Temple can have their call to well, whatever it is that they do with Satan, whatever that horrible sound would be. How do, how do we fix that? That's an interesting question. How do we keep that from happening? I think I know the answer because the Bible tells me so. If people who love Satan love Jesus instead, you're not going to have many satanic temples. And you're not going to have a big movement for having a satanic call to prayer or whatever it is that they do. It's conversion that is going to to stop those types of things that we know represent something that is anti-Christian. We know it. We You just hear it and you go, oh, wow, this sure has changed. All right, what's the Christian response? And I think the answer is we evangelize those people. And might I suggest we don't wait until they actually do a parade in Boston? <laughs> Back to Boston. Look at the theme we got going on here. In Boston, do you remember it was it's SatanCon? At a big hotel, they had sold out 800,000 people going to a satanic conference, which, by the way, hold on, Jimmy, watch this. We're going to get back to church news. There's actually a church that is having a pagan conference. I'm not kidding. (laughs) It's called Pagan Pride. It's going to happen on July 29th. This is from eternalspring.church. Please stop calling yourself a church. Here's the workshops. Old Irish spells, cord magic, shamanic clearing. At a church. This is sort of like the, the Sparkle Creed. That Lutheran church in, maybe it was Edina, Minnesota. That ridiculous, you'll see it on the video that we're going to post, I think today. This, it's not even Christian. Stop it. Do your own thing. Create another religion. And by the way, what do we do with those kooky Lutherans in Minnesota that were saying the Sparkle Creed, which made it sound like Jesus was a flamboyant fashionista and all that that brings with it. What what do we do with those people? They need to get saved. Those people aren't saved. They they are as as unchristian as... Boy, there's a lot of opportunities there in there, Jimmy. (laughs) Oh, for sure. (laughs) Now, I'm not going to refer to anybody sitting in the Oval Office. We'll just leave it at that. It's not very Christian. It's not Christian at all. If we don't like these things because of what they represent, uh, we got to go back to the biblical handbook. If you don't like an Islamic call to prayer, okay. I, I don't see how constitutionally it can be denied. But we go, but it, we know what that thing represents. Well, we're not going to do what the Puritans apparently did to Mary Dyer. What do we do? We preach the gospel. That's what we do. That's what we're called for. That is why we were left here. And we are to be the people that bring good news to the captives. We are the people. We get to talk. And and 
a book that I'm reading. I think we're going to get to this tomorrow. I'm pretty sure that I read it. It's called War of Words. I read it a couple of times now, I think. And it talks, it, it establishes the understanding of what it means that we as human beings have the ability to communicate vocally, articulating symbols, concepts, sounds that represent reality. And what a privilege that is to do that. And then we take a look at Paul. What did he come to the Corinthians to tell them? Well, you got to stop that pagan ceremony. No, he came preaching the gospel. I'm sure he told them their pagan ceremonies were just that. But he came preaching the gospel. Those were the words that he uttered. What were the words that Jesus uttered? Only the words that the Father told him to speak. And the Father has told us to speak the gospel. When are we going to get back to doing that? This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high high at saving lives with preborn please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched hey thanks for listening to wretched radio today just want to give a quick shout out to all of you resource purchasers out there who gobble up our resources at wretched.org we are truly appreciative and grateful for you but let me also let you know that our gratefulness tends to grow when you consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner now look i'm not trying to bribe you or anything but gospel partners really do make us happy. We've dedicated our lives to spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to millions of lost souls all over the world, and our gospel partners make it happen. Through programs like Wretched, Road Trip to Truth, and Transformed, we have been given the opportunity to create quality productions that capture the attention of unbelievers without compromising biblical truth. You're not just investing in our ministry, you're investing in the kingdom of God. Let me invite you to come alongside us as we preach the gospel, equip people to preach the gospel, and strengthen the local church. Just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves 
$500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit MediShare.com slash Wretched, MediShare.com slash Wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Revelation General revelation is God's act of making himself known through his creation. A part of general revelation is the sensus divinatus, a sense of the divine. God has given every person an undeniable awareness of his existence. There are no true atheists, only rebels in denial of what every person knows to be true. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You, uh... You got anything else from Boston you got to share, Jimmy? (laughs) Can we move on with church news here? I think so. All righty, this is Wretched Radio. Let's get to church news. If Jimmy doesn't regale us with another Boston tale. Sorry. We did go to the Cheers bar. I wanted to see if they'd actually filmed it there. No, they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) There's no, it just wasn't the same. It was the same vibe, but basically the show was filmed on a sound set in California, and they just use that for external stuff. It's in that lovely historic part of town, uh, Beacon Street. So charming, Boston, I'm telling you. It is, that's a special town. I got to tell you, that is a special town. Okay, I don't know how accurate this is. And Jimmy, I'm as long as you were interrupting with Boston Tales, I'll share one of mine. Okay. It was one of the Uber drivers. It was not the almond coughing Uber driver. Uh, this was this was another and he and he talked like he was from Boston. You know, you don't talk to many people who actually sound like they're from Boston and Boston. I get the feeling that it's sort of like Atlanta. You from Atlanta? No. Is anybody here from Atlanta? No. This guy had a Boston accent. And he told me, this is I'm just This is from the words from the mouth of an Uber driver that crime is relatively low in Boston. He he was referring to that recent mass shooting, if you can keep up with all of them. And he said that wouldn't happen in Boston because everybody knows most of us pack heat. You take out a gun, we're going to shoot you down. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but. But it might be one more reason to move to Boston. That's all I'm saying. Let's get to a church. Although in Atlanta, <laughs> you don't even need a gun permit anymore. You don't. You don't need a license. <laughs> you can just have a gun and open carry to boot in Georgia, which I have to tell you, I, there's something about seeing somebody with a gun revealed that isn't a police officer. That is, that's just something that's going to take me some getting used to. That's all. Well, that's why I wear a jacket. Ah, thank you for being so thoughtful. (laughs) I got no problems with carrying a firearm at all. I'm just saying it's a little different. Unless, of course, you're from Texas, then you're probably used to it by now. But enough digression in Boston. Let's go to uh, Great Britain, uh, shall we? It looks like same-sex unions, they're on the docket again gathering to have a conversation about it. And we all know how that goes, don't we? Speaking of the Anglican communion, there was an archbishop there, unbelievable, who's saying that the Lord's Prayer, it's problematic. Can you guess? Go ahead and guess why. You don't have to think very long. Jimmy, would you like to guess 
why, according to this Archbishop of the Anglican Communion, that the Lord's Prayer is bad. Start from the beginning. Yeah, uh, because we call him our father. That's it right yeah. there. That's patriarchal. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's what he wants to be called. Isn't it a fascinating <laughs> trend that everybody gets to pick their own moniker, their own identification, their own pronouns, but God, our father has patriarchal connotations. And then there was a canon, doctor, canon doctor. He fixes canons? <laughs> canon doctor Chris Sugden, the chair of the Anglican Mainstream Group, which is apparently conservative, said, is the Archbishop of York saying Jesus was wrong or that Jesus was not pastorally aware? It seems to be emblematic of the approach of some church leaders to take their cues from culture rather than scripture. Thank you. Sir, for standing up, and Godspeed to all of the conservative Anglicans that are hanging in there for dear life because the Anglican communion. Hoofton, speaking of losing a lot of churches, how's about the Methodist denomination? 6,000 churches said bye bye, about 4,200 of them just last year alone. The Methodist, what's the issue? You got it. LGBTQ stuff, by the way. What is what is the Methodist Church and the Anglican Communion have in common with the location and the debate that they are presently having? What 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 precipitated what came before the LGBTQ debate? It was the debate over the role of women. And they both gave in on that. And the next thing you know, the same hermeneutic that allows for women being elders or bishops is the same hermeneutic that can be used to erase what the Bible clearly states about sexuality and gender issues. You want to have you want to have a church go bye bye, role of women, and it, it, it's just a playbook. Who's the who is the Saul Alinsky in Christendom who said, "Look, this is how we're going to undermine all these denominations. Start by having a conversation about the role of women." And then do a committee and then try to get yourself some momentum and then have a vote. And the next thing you know, you're having LGBTQ affirming marriage ceremonies inside of your church. It is textbook. I don't know who sent this to me. Ugh, Jimmy? Yes? Do you know who sent this by any chance? This was uh, somebody took the time to take a picture of a sign that was over a men's urinal. In a bathroom. And I haven't seen it. Need a new church? You're in luck. Oh, that's worse than a church sign. Uh, please stop. Please stop undermining the sanctity of Christendom. That's the sparkle creed, the LGBTQ stuff. These uh, you're in luck. Call or text us. After you washed your hands. Wah, wah, wah. This isn't a church. This is a joke. Yeah. Please, if, if you if you are currently occupying what was formerly known as a church building, and you are not going to up, uphold the essentials of the Christian verities, go do something else. It doesn't matter to you. It just doesn't matter. So leave it or get in line. Get with the dictates of the one 
whose name is embedded in the religion that you claim to adhere to. These churches, honestly, how dare they? Speaking of churches, well, this one isn't. You can't call this a church anymore. T.D. Jakes appoints his son-in-law and daughter as assistant pastors of the Potter's House. No shock there. I think they've had female pastors for a long time. But that's that's a church that is what you just wait. It won't be long before the Potter's House. If they haven't already, you just watch the LGBTQ stuff. Just watch because the same hermeneutic that gets you here gets you there. It is playbook. Oh, Jimmy, this one is interesting right here. Okay. And I actually, this is going to sound kind of like uh, uh, just another modern day technology that makes things less human than they are. For church worship teams, auto-tune covers a multitude of sins, especially online. So the lead singer gets up and does pitch correction. Uh huh. Yeah. By the way, did you grab, uh, did I send that to you? From Andy Stanley's church, Hey Jude. Do you know what? You did send that to me, but that video has been hidden by them. Oh, you don't say. Yeah, it has been. It was a seven-minute version. It was like the opening song at the church. Yeah. Hey Jude. And the dude was so clearly auto-tuned. I mean, Hey Jude. Now, it does raise a question. Why would you do Hey Jude as the opening service for your church? Well, we could speculate that it's because they were kicking off a verse-by-verse study of the book of Jude. But we know that's not accurate because the book of Jude actually talks about Andy Stanley. Really? But you know, (laughs) it was auto-tuned, and it's the trend these days. Pitch correction process feeds the sound sung into a microphone, into a processor that aligns the singer's pitches with pure versions of the note becoming increasingly common. So I've got this idea. Let's see if we can redeem this modern day invention that makes worship even phonier than it already is inside of most evangelical churches. Instead of autocorrect, auto-tune, I think we should have auto-theology. <laughs> you put it in the pastor's microphone, and then when he says something really dumb, it just fixes it. So the pastor, for instance, says, so if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, it just auto-theologizes it into, and if you're here today and you've never repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ, see, that's, now that would be a technology that I think would be helpful. That would be. Now, for instance, the pastor would say after singing another Beatles anthem that we should unhitch the Old Testament. Instead, it would just automatically fix it. No, we should do what Paul did. And that is reason from them, with them from the scriptures that the Messiah had to suffer, die, and rise again. I think it's a winner. So if you happen to be one of those individuals with the technology skills, and I don't even mind if you cash in on this, I'm telling you, these days they'd sell like hotcakes. In fact, we'll do a fundraiser here. We just want 25%. No, we'll just, we'll. No, I'll, I will forego the 25, 25%, 25%. We'll send them to free, for free, to all of the bad churches with really bad preachers. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about tens of thousands of them here. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. 